Hello and welcome to an extra cast of Movie Theater Time Machine. And joining us today is the director of the movie Prancer, Mr. John Hancock. How are you today, sir? I'm fine and I'm glad to join you at this Christmas season. We're really glad to have you as well. I There's so many great things about this particular movie and we really want to jump into it of how is it something, you know, the first question I want to ask you, is this something that maybe it surprises you that's become so much of a cult classic? Has it for you? Yeah, it has. Uh, not entirely. I mean, I would, Rafaela De Laurentiis developed the script to a certain right. degree and then asked me if I wanted to do it. And I didn't. I didn't want to do a picture about a little girl and a reindeer. But my wife said, oh, no, do it. It'll be a classic. So there was, always, I suppose, that hope. And maybe she saw something that I didn't. But um, she said, and I, you know, I said, I don't like the dialogue. She said, well, I'll fix it for you. So, and she did. So uh, your wife, Dorothy, right? Yeah. 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 I mean, so I uh, just doing a little research on you. I see you two have done a lot of projects together. Yeah. I think we've made seven films together. Something like that. Yeah. How does that dynamic work? With it, like, do you go home and sit down at the dinner table and have more ideas later on, or when you wake up, you're like, "Hey, what about this?" Or yeah, sure, yeah. yeah. We don't fight, oddly enough. Yeah. You think that always, you know, taking the work home it would get tensions would build up and you'd grow to despise each other, but we we have. Oh. Oh, definitely not getting there at all. Of course not. I mean, it's, it's, it's always interesting when you hear about a husband and wife working together. I mean, like we do, we've been working on this podcast for six years now. Almost six? Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Yeah, right. Can you believe that too? Mm. Yeah. <laughs> oh, it's just interesting when you do it. So how did, um, how did she punch up some of the dialogue <clears throat> about that? Well... I think she had a, a was able to catch the voices of the little girls of the kids yeah. in a much better way than than the draft that I initially read. Uh, I mean, she rewrote most of the dialogue. In it. Wow! Not for the those powerful scenes where Sam uh, reads the the book to her. That's yeah. all the original script, but um, a lot of the dialogue is Dorothy. Wow. Was it originally to how do you do fellow kids? <laughs> a little bit, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> now, when you're speaking with Sam Elliott, I mean, how you also did Bang the Drum Slowly, right? As well. I mean, how does he compare to somebody like Robert De Niro? Well, they're much, they're, they're both wonderful actors. They're much different. I mean, Sam has a, a persona that he is pretty much that's what you get and i i i, I like what i get uh, de niro is uh, depends on a he's like a chameleon he depends on a, a disguise he puts on you know grows each character into a quite a different thing so they're 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 in a way there are two kinds of actors they're the kinds of actors that benefit from disguise and then there are the kinds that are always the same in there and 
a lot of people are on a spectrum somehow between those two poles. I would say Alec Guinness, for example, is somebody that needs a disguise and De Niro and uh, is Al Pacino. He's kind of in the middle, isn't he? Yeah, I'd say so. Yeah. I mean, he does love the persona, but he does change himself around yeah. it. And then there's Gregory Peck and those guys that, and John Wayne, who, uh, I mean, it isn't like one kind of actor is better. Yeah. It's like they're just two, two creatures. They're kind of slightly different creatures. And so some ways like Jimmy Stewart is the one that he... Yeah. Right. Had a little versatility, but when he when you heard his voice, that yeah, was you, you, yeah, sure, yeah. Now I'm picturing what if he was a voice actor for cartoons that <laughs> you would just immediately yeah, right. yeah, yeah. <laughs> I hear a lot of commercials, and I I know that that is somebody whose voice I know, but I don't know who I can't always tell who they've hired. Uh. Now it's probably all Alec Baldwin or somebody that they're probably yeah probably and not another in there. No, it's probably not Frank Welker because it's if it's not an animal sounder. Right. True. True. <laughs> yeah. True. Uh, now, I mean, you see with Sam Elliott. I mean, you know, you ha I, everybody I think knows who Sam Elliott is, even if you haven't ever seen him. Um, with that persona, but you also when you have Rebecca Harrell who uh, played Jessica Riggs. Was it? Uh, this is somebody who is, I think is more known for her activism now more than uh, more than her acting. Was it difficult to direct somebody who's uh, you know fairly new to the craft, at least as it seemed at the time? Well, she was eight, nine. So, was it difficult to direct her? No, she was just like a freak of nature sort of right yeah i didn't i don't think i directed her very much um, yeah. i mean she just seems so natural and i know that one of rob yeah. one of uh robert roger ebert's um roger ebert's uh, thoughts on this movie was the fact that she just came out of nowhere but glued the whole movie together yeah i think you you know I, I made my involvement dependent on being able to find the right girl. Yeah. And we did. We found, you know, we got very lucky. You you do a movie about a child with the wrong child and you're you're an unhappy director. Right. Even more so than with an adult? I well, yeah, because I don't think you can you can change their performance much. Not that you can really change the performance of adults very much, but you certainly with a child, you're not gonna uh have that flexibility to try to alter what they're doing. Yeah. Yeah. That makes sense. Yeah. I thought, for example, that Empire of the Sun, that mm -hmm. Christian Bale kind of ruined it. Now he became a wonderful actor later. But to me, there was a case of, of I mean, in E.T., Spielberg found the ideal kid. In Empire of the Sun, he did not. Yeah, Christian Bale was very, very young then. Yeah. Was he extremely young, as I remember? I mean... How did the casting process go with uh, with when you chose these people? Were you? I've heard at some points you have a casting director who picks everybody, and then the director comes in, who's the you know the head honcho film director. Well, I had I had a, a casting director Susan Willett that I'd worked with on Weeds and several other pictures, and so she, she's the one who first found Rebecca Harrell. Yeah. 
and said, oh, I think we found somebody that you'll like, and indeed I did. Um, Sam, I think, was a suggestion of um, Cineplex Odeon, of, you know, it was uh, Garth Drabinsky's company. Uh, they wanted somebody that had a name. Uh, so they suggested. Along with Cloris Leachman, then, I yeah, presume. Right, too, right? Yeah. Yeah. So well, when you got everybody together, I mean, what was the first table read like? Um, I forget. Uh, well, obviously, uh, immediate delight on the part of all the adults with Rebecca Harrell. I mean, because they probably approached it with the same wariness that you would think, oh, if the kid sucks, we're screwed. So it was the, it was the joy of thinking, oh, it's going to be okay. She's good. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, when it surprised, does it surprise you? I mean, I think we talked about with a cult classic, but when the first initial reactions came out, I mean, what was, what was your feeling when it, when it was finished? Well, you know, you, you work on something so long, you feel so many things. Um, I, I was very pleased. Uh, I mean, it opened at Christmas time and, and uh, I was concerned, uh, you know, the, the theaters are jammed up at Christmas time. Right. So I was concerned that we had the right theaters and that kind of thing. I was kind of tense about uh, being playing in the right theaters and, and grossing enough the first week so the theaters hold it and that kind of thing. And we did, and, and it worked. It, it made a lot of money, you know. Yeah, it certainly did. I mean, definitely made some money back quite a bit. Yeah. Yeah, definitely made some money back. Um, I want to talk about what some of the scenes that you had. Um, I, I do have a question. Oh, okay. What was it like working with the reindeer? Uh, it was difficult. The They're dangerous and, and untrainable, and we had six of them because we used them to motivate each other. And also we were afraid that the main reindeer whose name was Boo would lose her antlers. So we had substitute reindeers in case she lost her antlers because they do lose their antlers about the time when they were shooting. Um, the reindeer was sufficiently difficult that the, the crew wanted to eat it for the cast party. But what? Well, don't let life imitate art. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I I got I I did did I hate the reindeer? No, mm. no. But um, nor did I want to eat it. Yeah. Oh, the reindeer is tough to work with. Probably tough to eat. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I heard they're a bit chewy, huh? Yeah. <laughs> they your, bite, apparently. Yeah. Stop, he said. Yeah. It's, um, it's so nice. What was it like when you had to do certain shots? Like, I was I was kind of intrigued where, um, first off, I mean, I want to start with, like, where, where was this filmed? It was filmed where I live now. Uh, in Northwest Indiana, near Laporte and Three Oaks, Michigan. 
And it was filmed on one of our farms. My parents were in the fruit business and they had three small farms a couple miles from each other. And this was one of our farms, one of our orchards and house and barn. And, and wow. Yeah. So that was, oh, wow, that's cool. that was very satisfying to work where I grew up and, you know. Oh, yeah. But then this, you had to have the reindeer stomp around in the house. Yeah. But that's not the house where my parents lived. That was a, that's a house we rented. That was, a, yeah. Oh, yeah. The deposit bag. Yeah. <laughs> oh, they rented it. It's a beer. Now, there's one scene I mean, I'm particularly intrigued with about, you know, the cinematography portion of it. Uh, it's where uh, Jessica and the father, they're going down the road and, you know, he's telling her that she uh, needs to live with her Aunt Sarah. And then they come face to face with Prancer. And I've roamed around, you know, wintry streets like that in the middle, you know, um, I wouldn't say in the middle of the night, but later in the night in the middle of rural New Hampshire. So, I mean, how did you get the lighting so well? And like, was those was that one of the scenes that you really had to get it in one shot or to get it? No, as no. As you can? Um, well, there, there's a, a little piece of road. Uh, I don't know, about four football fields from where I'm sitting right now that we shot. We fastened the reindeer to the center of the road. Uh, and it actually uh, didn't want to be fastened that night. And it, it put its antler th through the wrangler's cheek and injured him quite badly. But at any rate, so here comes Sam's car and it screeches and there's the reindeer in the middle of the road. Yeah. Then we cut and we and we took over a, a factory over beyond Laporte, and we we built um, a road. We built a, an exterior road. That's a set because I didn't want to work very much at night out of doors in January and February. I thought it'll be too cold to think, and you know you you lose your judgment. You get so cold that you say, "Oh, that's good enough." Right. So, that was a set, uh, <clears throat> so it was not hard to light. I mean, it, you know, we had a, a lot of lighting instruments, and Misha Susloff was very good. And, yeah. Wow. Wow. Um, wow. I mean, what also a, a number of things were sets. We had yeah. a number of sets. The the Christmas tree lot up in Three Oaks, next to the butcher shop. Yeah. <laughs> was both an, an actual location in Three Oaks and was also a set. So we wouldn't have to shoot all night uh, again out of doors in February. So when you had the uh, the scene where... where... She falls out of the tree and... When she falls out of the tree yeah, and the cop... That was on the set, yeah. Cop is wandering around. That was, all, that was all a set during the middle of the day? Well, yeah. I mean, we, you know... We, and then we, we built... What you see out of the Christmas tree, we built the the street across from the Christmas tree lot, so that you could yeah. you could uh, believe you were on a street. Now, since it's so close to the place you grew up, I mean, was there any um, inspiration from scenes where you grew up? Sure. Yeah, I know that Raffaella thought that's one reason why we should shoot it there. Uh, I wasn't conscious as I was shooting it that I'm really using my childhood experiences there. Uh, but I was very happy 
shooting where I grew up. And I, I'm sufficiently happy that I've done four or five other pictures. There are six. I've done a lot of pictures where I, where I grew up. Yeah. What were some of the others that you, that you shot there? Uh, a Piece of Eden, Suspended Animation, The Looking Glass, Girls of Summer. And Girls of Summer you just did recently and uh, was uh, released in 2020. Yeah. Yeah. It's still, you know, you know, on all the streamers pretty much. Yeah. Yeah. And you're still, you're still, uh, are you still working on that or is that completed? Oh, it's completed long ago. Yeah. yeah. Is there anything in the works right now that you're doing? Yeah, I've got a, um, a screenplay about a uh, New York City detective who falls in love with a serial killer. And I'm trying to cast that with actors that will get it funded. So I'm, I've got a screenplay. I'm, I Actually, I have two screenplays I'm very excited about, but that's the one I'm most actively working on. Do uh, you need extras? <laughs> sure. <laughs> where, where are you in the Massachusetts? Yes. Yeah. 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 We're in Southeast Mass. Basically, if you take the, you take your finger on a map of Boston and just go straight down in the middle of Rhode Island, we're right there. Yeah. Okay. On the, on the Massachusetts side of Rhode Island, actually. What's the name uh, of the town? Fall River. Oh, well. Yeah. We're known for a historical axe murderer. And... I know you are. And I drive, used to drive through all the time on the way to the Cape. Oh, yeah. So, yeah. That's pretty much what we're known for there, too. The Herald News sign on the building is now a mural. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, with the legacy of this, is there, when you have these cult classics and things that come up, I mean, what's your favorite moment or your biggest favorite memory that comes up when you talk about this, even, it's, even if it's been so long? Well, the probably... The moment I'm proudest of is uh, the father-daughter uh, scene at the end where he reads to her and she oh. says, I oh love God. you. And, and uh, just because her performance is so good there. Yeah, I it just, but Sam Elliott starts, I, I admit I teared up. Yeah. yeah, I teared up. Very few movies have, have brought me to tears. And very few moments. And I did that at the end. I was just like, right, I like, I like I'll play back right now. What else do I like? Well, I like, I mean, I like the scene in the school cafeteria where they uh, debate the existence of God, the little girls. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe, yeah. Maybe there's no, what, maybe there is no God, you know. Yeah. I, I think when you have somebody like that, and I'm wondering if that was a punch up a bit, but where you had somebody who, I kind of noticed is at first you were the Jessica character. She really was into Christmas. And I thought for a little while that she was like really into it and waiting for it. Much as kids would really you know, wait for Halloween, yeah. you know, and then you find out years later, you know, uh, down the road in the film, you know, where Sam's on the phone saying, Hey, she plays her Christmas records all year. Right. So this is her time to shine, and I could see it. it. It made that scene even stronger because if she's saying, "Is there no Santa Claus?" Right. If there's no Santa Claus, is there yeah, no God? And I'm like, you know, then what about what my mom? Yeah, right. You know, I'm like, what happened there? Like, and it just even it it's it, it's interesting because the way it's written, it seems to be that the movie enhances the last scene from the next scene. Right. 
yeah, that's, that's, like that's, that's broke that's invented that scene entirely, and I'm very proud of it. Yeah, she did really. Yeah, yeah, they're really great, man. I mean, she provided a motive for the principal character in essence, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah and with yeah. was it always written in the original draft that her mother would be dead? I, I yes, I imagine the mother is dead in every movie about a child there's no child no living mother in any movie about a child yeah there's the thing with disney isn't it poor <laughs> <laughs> mothers right they just yeah. it was his mom was single yeah his dad died right yeah oh yeah okay yeah oh yeah actually you got a point yeah but it is that's the disney thing is the, the absent mother yeah wasn't a disney. yeah in the disney movies though i mean yeah that wasn't a disney movie of course that was true yeah. Was it? yeah, just specify. Yeah. <laughs> um, so I mean, I think that really does it for us here. I mean, do you have any questions there then? Um sorry to put you on the spot. I was wondering, um, as far as when when couples work together on projects, do you have any advice for if they should um, cause you know, remember early on during the play, we had kind of issues cause I yeah. was bringing it up all the time and you'd be like, Oh, let's write. And you'd be like, ah, I'm tired. And, yeah. Um, True. So that was kind of a stressful time, but if you, if you can make it work, is there any advice on that? Well, one of the things that we, we did is we didn't discuss the work very much. We just passed drafts back and forth. And the rule was, if you were, this was a time before computers with IBM Selectric typewriters, where if you were willing to retype the scene, you could leave out the other person's lines that you didn't like. <laughs> and so by just passing it back and forth, you gradually, without hurting anybody's feelings too much, you um, get rid of the bad parts. Mm. So, and I, I, I do think there's an advantage in not, not talking too much in terms of, of getting along and yeah yeah interesting any reason why what oh any reason why you think that might help it's me i'm kind of the opposite i just gush ideas and analyze things too much personally and that's kind of a problem so well that's how you that's how that's one of the advantages you avoid that yeah. Hmm. Interesting. Oh, man. So, I mean, Mr. Angak, I really want to thank you very much for well, your Thank you for having me. I enjoyed taking it. the time for us. We really, really do appreciate it. And for those of you who are listening to us with the extra cast, you know, hopefully you've taken a lot of advantage of it um, and listened to our review as well. Um, this has been John Hancock. This has been an extra episode of Movie Theater Time Machine. Um, please take advantage of it. Look, of us, look us up on movietheatertimemachine.com and thank you so much for joining us. Have a great day. Great. Thank you very much. All thank right. Okay. Bye now. Yes, please stay warm. Okay. Stay well. <laughs>